Let's talk medicine. It's a White Coat Wednesday, and our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman, is here. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. So early onset dementia or youth onset dementia is growing in Canada. I just know if I look at my text board, someone will say, yeah, it's the vaccine. No, I don't think it's the vaccine, but <laughs> but it must be something. No, it's not. Do we know? So there's a number of things going on here. One, they wanted to change the name of it. So it's no longer early onset dementia for someone who develops the symptoms of dementia before the age of 65 because they wanted to take away that stigma. And so now they're calling it young onset dementia. I'm not sure if that'll catch, but they're going to have to come up with some way of alerting people to the fact that you can have the symptoms of dementia. In other words, loss of the ability to find the proper word, memory problems, what we used to call executive functions, the ability to kind of reason through and get things done and figure out what things are for. Everyone's allowed to forget from time to time. But if you can't remember what your keys are for, if you put, um, if you put your telephone in the fridge, um, these are obvious problems and that these are signs that something more significant is going on. So it can happen in an earlier age group below the age of 65. It's still only 3% of all those with Alzheimer's that form of dementia. Um, but the key thing is to make people aware of it because initially the symptoms might make someone think that you're overwhelmingly depressed or something like that or anxious. And the reality is you're actually developing early stage dementia. And why that's important is the earlier we make the diagnosis, the more effective we can be to help you navigate uh, this, this, this pathway, which we all know is very difficult. Now, are we seeing more of it? Maybe. I know we're seeing more dementia in general. Uh, this has to do with lifestyle, you know, lack of exercise, poor diet, things like that, poorly controlled high blood pressure, poorly controlled diabetes. Um, are we seeing it more in younger people below the age of 65? Yes, but I think part of what's going on here is the fact that we're much more aware of the possibility of the disease happening in younger people, which we would never have been before. I must tell you, to have made the diagnosis of dementia in someone below the age of 65, we would never have done that before. But we're starting to realize that, yes, it can happen earlier. It's not genetic, by and large. By and large, it's related to lifestyle. Do humans need to hibernate? It's a nice idea. I would, <laughs> you know, but it's really a function of the darker days. What happens is light, mainly sunlight, but light stimulates uh, your brain. And so the production of melatonin goes down as the days get darker and therefore the days get shorter, the nights get longer. There's less and less prevention or diminution or restriction in the amount of melatonin that your brain is making. So it's very normal uh, to feel more tired as the winter is progressing. Um, and so one of the ways of dealing with that is light therapy. We're just talking about depression and all that, but certainly light therapy being exposed to a 10,000 lux specific type of light first thing in the morning for about 20 to 30 minutes can help uh, wake you up and get you moving. Uh, being exposed to real sunlight first thing in the morning can help you. But the truth of the matter is a study done in Germany in the 2012s, I think, 2012-2013, showed that on average over the, over the winter, people tend to sleep about an hour more. Um, and I, it just it's dark, <laughs> let's be blunt. <laughs> um, and it's not like the summer where the sun is out to what, seven, eight, or nine o'clock at night and you feel like doing things until then. Uh, so that's the real problem. Okay. Uh, screen time could have an effect on kids' ability to process sensations. Perhaps not surprising. Is it, I mean, are they going numb to stuff? 
well, both numb and or either they are overstimulated or understimulated, and both are being seen. And this is a study looking at over 1,400 kids, uh, and at the ages of 12, 18, and 24 months, they basically were saying, are they being exposed to, and we're not talking about FaceTime, we're not talking about communicating with your grandparents who are in Vancouver, we're talking about watching video, watching um, uh, TV. And when this testing was done, they really didn't include things like your smartphone, they didn't include iPads, they didn't include that type of screen time. So they're really just looking at video screen time right now. And it turns out if your kids were exposed before the age of two, the likelihood that they would have some sort of, we'll call it a typical sensory response, is increased. Now, will this mean that these kids will become autistic? No. But it is an indication that screen time, TV time, video time is not good for little kids um, and that we need to minimize that. They need to interact with people, not with a, a screen, not with a, a monitor. And let's close the loop and get back to dementia and Alzheimer's, a new blood test that may be able to screen for Alzheimer's. This is so important. You're not going to see it yet. It's an experimental study in a journal looking at a form of what we call phosphorylated tau, PTAU217. And there's a company that manufactures a way of sensing this in your blood. Now, that shouldn't be in your blood. And if it is in your blood, it reflects the fact that something is going on inside your brain that could be uh, indicating that you're going towards the Alzheimer's form of dementia. Don't forget, it's not the only form of dementia. And this works as well as doing a lumbar puncture, which we stick a needle in your back and sample the fluid that's bathing your skull, your brain, and your spinal cord, or a special PET scan, the positron emission tomography exam, which is also the way of making the diagnosis. So for a lot simpler just a blood test, we could make the diagnosis as effectively as the, uh, the gold standards right now. And if that's true, if this test is corroborated and it becomes available and it's not too expensive and our governments are willing to pay for it, we could make the diagnosis earlier with the advantage being that if we make the diagnosis earlier, maybe our medical interventions, which right now really don't seem to do very much, could actually help. So it could be very good. Uh, we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and see what develops. Thanks a lot, Dr. Mitch. Good to have you. Always a pleasure. Have a great morning. Every Wednesday, Dr. Mitch Shulman drops in with some of the week's big medical stories.